Welcome to the Business, Wealth and Mindset Podcast. Your space for real motivational interviews and cutting-edge business content to inspire your positive mental attitude. And now, your host, Alex Sopala. Hi, it's Rob Moore here. Hello, and we are live talking about business, wealth, mindset, and leverage. So um, I'm here with Alex Sopala. And Alex mm-hmm. runs the Business, Wealth and Mindset podcast. Yeah. And Alex has um, kindly come to our studio to interview me for his podcast on all Absolutely. things Business, Wealth, Mindset and Leverage. So yeah. I am all yours, Alex. The rest of the show is yeah. all about you and you can ask me anything you like. Perfect. Well, first of all, thank you very much, Rob, for uh, agreeing to come on the on the podcast. The agreeing business to come work. to my studio in my office. It's yeah. my pleasure. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Thank you. So the purpose of the, the podcast is basically to share business and financial uh, technical knowledge amongst yeah. uh, my viewers okay. who are mainly sort of budding entrepreneurs who are looking to make it in business yeah. to sort of uh, uh, you know get the nitty-gritty of the content and the like technical advice. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, these sort of hard-hitting interviews with the success people like yourselves, you know, sort of help to uh, give them that cutting edge of okay. information that can make the difference in the business world. So, uh, to kick it off, uh, I would like to basically discuss the life leverage philosophy. And in particular, this comes from your book, obviously. So, you know, this is a, a topic that close to your heart. Sure. And, uh, you know, how to get more done in less time yeah. in, in particular. So, okay. I want to cover three parts mainly around this, this topic. So, the first part is just to give a bit more on the technical side of the uh, life leverage philosophy. Sure. Two parts in it, the 80-20 philosophy and your architecture around the VVKIK. Sure. So uh, if you could just start off with that, uh-huh. just give a bit more background no around the whole life leverage philosophy from okay. your understanding and from the book. Sure. Yeah. Okay, so for me, the life leverage philosophy is, like I said, getting more done. Yeah. In less time, outsourcing as much as you can, yeah. possibly everything, because yeah. you can outsource gardening, cooking, cleaning, admin. Yeah. Uh, you can outsource a lot of things. You can even outsource shopping, as you can see, I clearly outsourced my shopping. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and living uh, 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 your ideal or and or mobile lifestyle. Yeah. So it's a more modern philosophy of work, yeah. where instead of thinking, I've got loads to do, I've got to work hard today, that I've got so many things to get done. You change your thought process to who can do this for me? Who's better than me? Who's quicker than me? Who can I pay? And and, and it costs me less because I pay them £20 an hour to do a task, but I can replace it with £50 an hour worth of earning capacity. Mm -hmm. So that is what I would say is the leverage philosophy. (laughs) And um, a lot of people still struggle with it, even though it's easier than ever. There's VAs anywhere and everywhere, a virtual assistant. Um, with it, the internet and all the resources and apps and software and systems and social media, it really is practically and technically easier to, you know, you've got 99 designs and you can get anything designed for you for not yeah. much money. You know, you go to Online Jobs PH and you can have a, an outsourcer, you know, in, in a cheaper labor yeah. country mm-hmm. where you can pay a lot less 
and have someone doing much of your online admin. You can have all your social media accounts managed or semi-managed, all your inboxes managed or semi-managed, all your diary managed or semi-managed. And now I also, by the way, have a staff. We have 85 people who are our staff in the office here. So I kind of embrace both philosophies of building an empire and building a lifestyle business. So lifestyle business would be minimum staff, minimum overhead, maximum leverage. An empire business would be obviously you're trying to build on a big scale on on a global scale. Um, And it's really, like I said earlier, as much a mindset as it is a skill set. So I know you're going to want some practical stuff off me. But from a mindset, like if you think about how your parents taught you, um, or how a lot of American influencers teach you. It's about yeah. hustle, graft. It's about going all in, go big, go home, 10x. It's all this hard work. It takes yeah. 10 years to be, become an overnight success. And I'm definitely not saying you shouldn't work hard. I believe you should work hard enough not to have to work hard. But let's place the hard work over, over there for a minute. Yeah. Why don't you get someone else working hard for you? Why don't, yeah. why don't you get someone else who's more skilled in the area that you're trying to get figured out so that they could do it in much less time than you? making much less mistakes. Who says you have to work hard? If you play smart and get others working hard for you, you can be the person that works the least hard. Also, I believe when you create your own enterprise, company, lifestyle, business, your best role is strategy, is vision, is being the creator, the innovator, the ideator. And that's not hard work. That's hard thinking. Thinking, But hard thinking, you need an empty brain, which means you need to walk more. You need to meditate more. You need to rest more. You need to be on your own more. You need to be having good conversations with people. You need to do social stuff. You need to turn off as well as switch on. And all of that stuff is not hard graft. It's almost the opposite of hard graft to allow the ideas and the strategy to come in. So it's a complete rethink for a lot of hardworking one-man band entrepreneurs. Mm. Yes, that's uh, that's actually you know quite of the the, the, the philosophy and the mindset which uh, I picked up from the audio book, you know, and understanding that mindset. And it's, so, a lot of it has been instilled by parents. Yeah, you know, you've got to go and work hard. You, you, you know, you got to work harder than everyone else. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure that I agree with that. I think you have got to work smarter than everyone else. You have got to outthink everyone else. You have got to outfox everyone else. You have got to yeah. outcreate everyone else. You have got to outidea everyone else. Yeah, and I'm not saying. There, those things are easy. You don't just sit on your sofa and they come to you. But it, you know, Steve Jobs used. It was famous for having meetings on going on long walks, um, yeah. and you know, a lot of people get ideas through meditation or having space in your diary and not just you know task after task after task after task. Yeah. When you're working too hard, you make mistakes. When you yeah. when you're working too hard, you get stressed and overwhelmed and burned out. Um, and and all those things don't have to happen. And labour for you is cheaper than it's cheaper. ever been. Uh, because it's remote and because we can access a world labor force, yeah. not just a local labor force. Yeah. So you wanted me to talk specifically about 8020 and VVK. Right? Yes, yeah, yeah. But I, I, I guess in, in broader terms, when you look at the leverage philosophy, you, you've got the various parts. For example, you're leveraging people, you're leveraging your capital and software and systems, mm. which is some, some of the parts that you've mentioned. That's a very good point. You so, can leverage um, bank finance, JV yeah. finance. Yeah. You can... Um, leverage other people's ideas. You can leverage Facebook groups yeah. of niches to come up with crowdsourced ideas for products and services. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's way more than just people more you can than, leverage. Yeah, okay. So specifically getting into more of the technical detail, which is uh, uh, pretty much outlined in your book as well, but just to give us the, the summary of the 80-20 principle. Sure, so that wasn't a principle I came up with. That's yeah. Pareto's, Pareto's principle. principle. Yeah. 
Um, so 80% of the benefit usually comes from 20% of the time and reverse. Yeah. So if you think about m- the money you make in your company, 80% of the money might come from 20% of the 20%, customers. Yeah. Um, if you think about the wear on your tires of your car, 80% of the wear is in 20% of the areas. 80% of the baldness is in 20% of the areas. 80% of the wear on the carpet is in 20% of the areas. Um, you get um, 80% of your good ideas 20% of the time. Um, you wear 80% of your clothes 20% of the time. And 20% of your clothes 80% of the time. Ask your wife. Oh, yeah. who's got a load of clothes in the wardrobe, still with the, the labels on, yeah. probably wears 20, 20%, 20% of her wardrobe 80% of the time. I know I wear 20% of my clothes 80% of the time. I wear um, 20% of my watches 80% of the time. There seems to be this like almost universal 80-20 yeah. principle. Yeah. So I tried to apply it to leverage, yeah. which <laughs> is maybe um, instead of working 80% for your 20%, What if you could work 20% for your 80% and almost inverse it? So imagine if you could get rid of 80% of your tasks that bring in 20% of the money. And you just do 20% of your tasks that bring in 20% of the money, but you duplicate and triplicate those 20% tasks. So you bring in 200%, 300%, 400% worth of money. money, Um, And I know it's to a certain degree trying to change the universal law of 80-20, but I think it's possible. So for example, if... um, 80% 80% of your revenue comes yeah. from doing sales calls and you do 10 a week and the rest yeah. of the time you're doing admin, outsource some of the admin and do 20 a week. Double the amount of time. Time, yeah. Um, so you, now you're only on 40% of your time. But in order to double that time, you need to free up the 80% of your time when you're doing admin. Um, but a lot, okay. of, a lot of that 80% time that's dead is not just admin, it's procrastination, it's wasting yeah. time, it's overwhelmed. It's surfing on, on the internet and social media and taking breaks between tasks and psyching yourself up to do tasks and task jumping and starting and stopping and starting and stopping. And all of that is in the 80%. And imagine if you just got rid of half of that, how much more effective you'd be, how much more money you could earn. Now, here's the paradox. Yeah. <clears throat> A lot of people feel like, well, look, I can't afford to pay for staff or outsourcers yeah. or VAs or any admin until I make more money. But the reality is... If they outsource now, they free the time so they can put more income generating tasks in that time. So it's it's really weird because in the book, out of all the stuff that I wrote that I thought was good, there was one section that people seemed to enjoy the most, and that was personal life leverage. And I talked to people about getting a cleaner once a week and paying them £15 to clean your house and getting a gardener once a month and paying them 30 quid to do your hedges and your lawn. And getting a cook in twice a week to cook two meals a night, and you might pay 30 or 40 quid. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, of course, they can cook meals for the rest of the week and put them in Tupperware, and you can freeze them. Freeze them, yeah. Um, I have a driver, and, and you know, I don't um, hire him full time. I hire him sort of maybe half my driving time. So there's no point yeah. having my driver take me from home to work because that's three miles. Yeah. Um, and I just list a podcast in the car. But yeah. any longer journey, I have my driver. Yeah. And if I pay him 150, 200 quid for a there and back journey plus waiting, I can probably get one to five thousand pounds worth of work done in the back of Damn. the car. I work much better in the back of the car than I do in the office because there's no distractions in the back of the car. So it, if you start doing it in your personal life, you might yeah. only have to pay 30, 40, 50 quid a week and get some of your cleaning and some of your cooking and some of your ironing and some of your gardening done. And that could save you 10 hours a week. Yeah. Now, if you earn £50 a week, you've saved yourself 500 quid and you paid 100 quid. 
But if you earn two grand a week, yeah. and so, you know, 10 hours, let's say that's a quarter of your working week, you've just liberated 500 pounds worth of working time. So people have yeah. got to reverse how they think. They think, I'll be able to outsource and leverage when I can afford it. But not doing it is stopping you affording it because the non-income generating task, which is 80% of the time, yeah. is eating up the time where you could do income generating tasks. Good. Okay. So that's 820. Yeah, perfect. Now, going back to the architecture of the life leverage philosophy, which uh, in your book you outline it as under the VV, yeah. VVKIK. Yeah. So can you just... Um, Elaborate a bit sure. on that, how, how that breaks down into the whole architecture and yeah. understanding and the philosophy sure. in life leverage. So um, to fully create a life leverage philosophy system for your business and your life, mm -hmm. I believe there are five main elements. Yeah. So the first V of VVKIK yeah. is your vision. You know, what is it that you want for your life? Do you want to be able to travel a lot? Do you want to work on your laptop anywhere in the world? Do you want to build an empire or a lifestyle business? Or do you want to be a career-driven person in a role, but, you know, go to the top of the career? Yeah. Um, do you want to be local, national, or global? And, and mm. that is really important because everything cascades down from your vision. And a lot of people start a business accidentally or start a business because they thought they liked the product, but they didn't have a vision. Yeah. So once you're clear on your vision, local, national, global, lifestyle or empire, short term or long term, e-commerce or retail or whatever it is, um, and the difference you want to make on the planet, mm -hmm. then you can break, break it down into what are your values. Yeah. So that's the second V, the your second values. V, your yeah. values are the most important thing to you in your life or your company's existence. So yeah. my three core company values for progressive are progressive, innovative and personal. So everything yeah. we do needs to be progressive, it needs to be innovative, and it needs to be personal, which means we try to innovate, we try to be creative, we try to be inclusive, we try to be accessible. You know, when, whenever you contact anyone at Progressive, you do not get an e-ticket, yeah. you do not wait for three or four weeks to get someone to come back to you online. Yeah. There's no automated bots or anything like that. Yeah. It's very personal. You can often get access to me, yeah. and frequently get access to me. Yeah. Um, so that you want to think about what the values are, how you live towards your vision. Then the first K is key result areas. Yeah. And your key result areas are the three or five or seven key areas that you do in your business that make the biggest impact that you can make. So in the early days for me, my key result areas were doing the web design, doing the sales, doing the marketing and doing the writing of the yeah. books and the artic articles. Mm -hmm. Mark's key, res key result areas were buying property, managing property and raising funds. Right. Now I have people to design webs, the website. I have designed webs. Yeah, I'm a spider. Um, I have people to write um, or help me write. Yeah. I, I still write in my voice, but I have a lot of people that help me write. I have people to do my sales. I have people to do my marketing. So my key result areas have become strategy, vision, <laughs> partnerships, collaborations. Some of my bigger keynote speakers and my speeches and my personal brand. So you can increase the... Um, power, effectiveness, and reach of your key result areas as you grow your business. And you should evaluate them every six to 12 months. Essentially, the key result areas are the things that are going to get you to deliver your vision the quickest. Yeah. Um, and, and sometimes they are income generating. So the I, BVKI, the I is income generating, generating tasks. So they are clearly, let's say you've got 15 tasks a day. If we go 80-20 principle, three, four of them, yeah. they're going to generate income. They're sales calls. They're partnerships. They're, you know, chasing invoices, you know, whatever, yeah. um, creating new products. 
But then the rest of them are going to be supporting the income generation. Yeah. So, you know, the admin, the technical, the support, the, the coding, you know, the systems, the architecture, whatever else. Yeah. So but in an ideal world, you spend more than 20% of your time on income generating tasks. And sometimes income generating tasks and key result areas are the same. The same, yeah. But sometimes they're different. For example, I do a lot on social media to build my personal brand. Yeah. And that is not directly income generating. But I probably have 20 million, just maybe just over 20 million of top line revenue across all my assets. Um, yeah. So I don't always need to focus on income generating mm-hmm. tasks, but I have a lot of years um, previously. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the final K is um, KPIs, KPIs, Key Performance yeah. Indicators. Mm-hmm. So KPIs are the feedback metrics that tell you that you're on vision, living your values, doing high key resort areas and high income generating tasks. Generating tasks. So if the money's coming yeah. into the bank and the, the service and the goodwill from the customers is great and your, you know, your reach is improving and you're getting great feedback and the, the goodwill that you're doing for the community and the nation, if they keep growing... You know, the amount of followers and subscribers you've got and more, your profit's going up, then, of course, you know V, yeah. V, K, and I are being delivered. Yeah. If it's the inverse, you know you've got to change. Um, and you cannot master what you do not measure. So you need to accurately track all your metrics, and we track hundreds of metrics. Good. So that's V, V, K, I. Okay. And that was, like you said, the architecture or the backbone of the whole. Of the whole philosophy. Okay. Thanks for that, Rob. Um, now, um, I mean, for me... Certainly in the, in the current days compared to the, the uh, you know, the old days when everything was difficult to do. Now you've got a lot of social media information can travel very fast, mm-hmm. which means for entrepreneurs, it's possible to achieve bigger results in a shorter space of time. Yeah. If you embrace this, uh, uh, life leverage philosophy. So following on on that, if I sort of take you back from, you know, to the early days in your uh, business experience, for instance, if you, you know, knowing what you know now around the life leverage philosophy, what is it that you think you would have done differently and how would have that impacted, accelerated your progress from where you, where, where you've come from up to here? Yeah. How, how do you think that would have impacted? Okay. So I'm very results? clear about that. Yeah. Um, I think I was probably a bit slow to hire. I think Mark and I were so keen to keep the overhead low that we probably mm. didn't start paid advertising quick enough, paid, paid for staff quick yeah. enough, i.e. non-family members, because our first few staff were family members because we yeah. were trying to go on the cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that really restricted our growth. Yeah. Back then, I mean, I think just when we started, the four-hour work we could come out, which is, yeah. was quite key in sort of the, the, the start of this sort of leverage philosophy that people were um, tuning in to the inverse thought process of hard work and hustle. Um, but you know, Mark and I weren't really that familiar with VAs. So we would, we hired people, not outsourcers and bots and software and systems. We didn't use things like Trello and Acuity to book calendars and track all your tasks. We didn't have internal communications and intranets. We were just quite old school with everything we did. Paper, face to face on the phone. So going back, I'd say, right, set up the software, set up the systems. I would yeah. say get two or three VAs, some for your design, some for your social media, um, some for your admin, some for your diary management, yeah. because they, could, they were so cheap back then. Um, and probably a little yeah. bit before you already think about hiring your staff, yeah. you know, hire a manager, hire a salesperson. So I think I relied on hard graft and hard work in the early years of setting up my companies because yeah. that's what you're traditionally told to yeah. do. 
Society yeah. has said those that are lazy don't succeed. Those that work hard do succeed. But I would say it's different now. You have to work hard for sure in short, sharp, deep work bursts. But if you do that too long, we now know there's a lot of mental health issues. We yeah. now know you yeah. need a lot more sleep because yeah. um, it used to be fashionable to say you don't need sleep yeah. as an entrepreneur. That's bullshit. Um, so we need to have a, a, a longer term, less hard work, more smart work, more yeah. leveraged, more building a team um, mentality if we want to yeah. go longer and grow bigger. And so I'm not saying don't work hard. I'm saying think more, plan yeah. more, create better strategy, have time for ideas, have time to figure things out, have time to go and meet people, have time to have great conversations, time to build your social media platforms, time to leverage podcasting, YouTube, etc., which were all yeah. there back then, instead of just hard work and hustle. Um, and as soon as you can start hiring people, technical people, skilled people, experienced people, people who are better at the job than you. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, given that this is a, a sort of mindset, and uh, uh, as you'll be aware, you know, the sort of mindset which is embedded in people tends to build up over a, 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 an extended period of time from the environment or wherever they are. So, for most entrepreneurs, it's very difficult to actually make that shift of uh, understanding the mentality that you don't necessarily need to graft and yeah. sacrifice and do all of that, and you can do things smarter. So. Yeah. How, what would be your advice as to how people can take those steps to sort of shift their yeah. mindset from okay. the graft mindset to... So there's, there's quite a few things at play here. Yeah. I think the first thing is what exactly is the resistance point for the person? Because yeah. you say mindset, but that's general. Yeah. It could be uh, I'm worried about someone making a mistake. It yeah. could be I'm worried about them taking my IP and setting up in competition. Yeah. It could be that I don't want to spend time training someone who might leave it could be that i feel so busy i haven't got time to hire someone train someone and you know have to support someone it, it could just be that uh if you want a job done properly do it yourself because that's yeah. what a lot of our older generation used to say to us yeah. so i've just given you five different examples, examples. there yeah. of why yeah. people might resist leverage yeah. so I, i'm going to look at some of those yeah so instead of thinking if you want something done properly, do it yourself. Why don't you think if you want something done properly, hire someone who's really good at it to do it? Like I wouldn't try to design my own clothes. I wouldn't try to make my own watch. I wouldn't try to cook mm -hmm. my own dinner because I can't do all of those. Yeah. So it makes sense to me to buy a watch from Odomar's PGA, to buy clothes from Givenchy and Alexander McQueen, yeah. and to have my mum or a chef or a housekeeper or my wife. And when I say have, they've got to want to do it. I don't, I'm not that old-fashioned. I don't make them do it. Um, but sometimes my mum mm -hmm. cooks. She comes over and sees the kids. Sometimes my housekeeper cooks. Sometimes my wife yeah. cooks. Um, and they're much better at it than me. Um, so actually, I should probably not talk about mums and wives. I should probably just talk <laughs> about... Um, but I've got a systems architect upstairs who's way better at um, systems architecture systems. than me. Yeah. Kieran here is way better than Instagram at me. Yeah. Harry back there is way better at video editing and AV yeah. than me. Tom there is head of our innovation. He's better at heading up innovation than me. The sales team are better than me at selling. The marketing team are better than me at marketing. The finance team are better than me at finance. My PA is better at organizing shit. My MD is much better at prioritizing and sort of managing the general operations. My yeah. heads, head of events is better at running events. Yeah. Now, in the old days, I did all of that. And I did none of it very well because I was spinning all those plates, yeah. doing none of it well. So if you want a job done, give it to someone who's better. The next thing is, if I train someone up, they might set up in competition. Well, mm -hmm. they'll set up in competition anyway. 
Yeah. And if you yeah. train them up, they'll always credit you for training them. So I've probably trained half of the property trainers in the UK. I mean, it's probably yeah. not an exaggeration yeah. over the years. But as long as I've got a good relationship still with them, they, yeah. they cannot yeah. deny I train them. Would I rather have trained my competition or not train my competition? I would rather have trained my competition. Yeah. So the next thing is, oh, well, I'm too busy doing my stuff to train them. Well, if you're too busy to do your stuff to train them, you'll never train anyone and you'll just get busier and busier and busier until you get overwhelmed, stressed and have yeah. a burnout or a breakdown. So actually, you've got to do less to achieve more. Yeah. Do less of your own work and do more of training and, and mm. um, leveraging to others. The next thing is, how much do you want to get done? Because yeah. let's say you work 12 hours a day, six days a week. So you, what, what's 12 times six? 72. Yeah. You can get 72 hours of work done a week. But let's say you had 10 people doing 7.2 hours worth of work, then you get 72 hours worth of work done and you might not have to work 10 hours. 10 hours yeah. If 10 people do 40 hours a week, you've got 400 hours plus mm -hmm. your hours. So the more people you have working for mm -hmm. you and with you, the more you can actually do. Yeah. Um, generally, people can be better at the job than you because mm -hmm. I found a great entrepreneurs are generalists and what they do, great entrepreneurs generalize about strategy, about vision, about sales, about marketing, you know, about HR, about culture. They know a bit of it all, but then they hire technic uh, technical specialist experts. So, you know, you have a head of HR, you have a head of finance, you have an MD, an ops manager, a head of sales, and all of those are better at that job than me. And I know a bit about each one of those roles, but they're specialists at it. Um, yeah. I, I, I like to think about collaborations rather yeah. than working alone. Okay. Um, and remember, all of this liberates my time to have a better lifestyle and be in it for the longer term and have time for ideas and people. Because people just think business is yeah. about creating a product or service and yeah, selling it selling. and making a profit. But it's actually about people. It's about partnerships, collaborations, trust, goodwill. And a lot of that is around the meetings you have with people. You know, when you, yeah. when you create partnerships and collaborations, they take time. Yeah. And you have to meet people and see people and talk to people and communicate with people. But your brain goes, that's not hard work because you, you perceive hard work as graft. That's not graft. That's craft. So the leader of the business and the, and the lifestyle philosophy is more craft than graft. Yeah. Oh, very good. Thanks. <laughs> My pleasure. Now, um, I think it's good too. Yeah. I did write the book. <laughs> Very good. I, I, I particularly like your story of uh, at the start of the book where you talked about Bob, mm. the software developer mm. who uh, not his real name uh, by the way, yeah. <laughs> outsourced his entire job. Yeah, and then got fired for it. He got fired for yeah, it. Yeah, oh, well, he should have got a pay rise. Yeah, yeah outsourced his <laughs> whole job yeah. while sitting in, on his desk. Yeah, uh, the, the company found out and he got fired. fired. But surely that is smart. If that's uh, happened, so that's something else. Just quickly, um, yeah. and that is outcome. So yeah. often we're working hard because we're used to working hard because we've been told to work hard, but we'd all agree that you can work hard on the wrong things. Yeah. So mm -hmm. instead of thinking, how hard am I working? Think, what outcome am I achieving? If I'm getting the right outcome, it doesn't matter how hard I oh. work to get the outcome. And yeah. sometimes you have to work less hard. Like if a dog sticks its head and its nose down and its ass in the air and digs and digs and digs down. It, it can't see where it's going. Yeah. And often yeah. people are working so hard in the micro, they can't see the macro, they can't see where they're going. Yeah. Like it's running in the dark. Yeah. So just, just to link this as well to um, one, you know, some of your advice you know, to business in terms of 
the, the, when you look at the business cycle, getting your product and the marketing and everything else, because some people will get bogged down on the part whereby there's no cash flows coming in and it's difficult for them to hire someone else or to do something else in, in, in the process. But you, you, you keep um, this advice to say, sometimes it is worth getting started now and get perfect later. Yeah. Can you give us a bit more on that? in terms of getting started and then perfect your craft, perfect yeah. your, your work later on. Because sure. unless you get started, you can't get perfect or yeah. move on. Agreed. So, yeah. so I think that perfectionism is a bit of a paradox because yeah. it's often a curse. Yeah. Now, look, if you're a pilot or a, a surgeon, you know, you need a, a minimum level of perfection for yeah. your procedure. Otherwise, people die. Yeah. So I don't want people to take it too literally that you can literally just start and grab a knife or give me the controls of the helicopter. Let's go. Um, there's, you have to have a procedure, of course. Yeah. Yeah. But, but a lot of professions and businesses and products and services mm-hmm. don't have to be perfect to be launched. They yeah. just have to be, you know, MVP, minimum yeah. viable project, product or, or v- version one. Yeah. So uh, we've just bought me the iPhone. Is it 11, Kieran? 11. The 11 yeah. Pro. Pro. Okay. Apparently, that's good for cameras and it's good. We need it for our social media. Well, we don't need it, but, you know, yeah. apparently it's better. Kieran says we need it. <laughs> it's because it's my money. Um, but um, what was the model I had before? An X. An X. Yeah. What was the model before the X? An eight. An eight? Yeah. Before that, a seven, a seven. six, a yeah. five? Six. So the point is, iPhone didn't launch the perfect iPhone. Yeah. They launched the best one they could. And also now with phones and iOSs, operating systems and software, they get updated all the time. So actually, if you look at tech especially, that's a great um, example of never being perfect and never being finished. And a software developer will tell you the software is never finished because there's always an update, a new version, software update, 6.2.3.1.4 squared. And I think start and scale up entrepreneurs can learn from that yeah. and just have a, um, a started or a prolific rather yeah. than a perfect mentality. Yeah. So we put a lot of content out there on social media, living yeah. on Instagram, living yeah. on Facebook. This might go on YouTube. This might go on my podcast. It's going yeah. on your podcast. Yeah. Now, you know, not all of this content is going to be perfect, um, but we put it out there because we know that the more content we put out there, the more we can learn what works. Yeah. So I've just said to Harry, we've had the same backdrop for a while. Yeah. So why don't we create different backdrops? Actually, version one of this studio is we got some cheaper screens and they had thicker borders. And so when we were doing lives and yeah. Skypes and Zooms on here, you know, the whole point of having these big screens is not, not many lines. So you would halfway through someone's face, you'd have this thick black line. Yeah. So we reused the screens and we bought these new screens with no borders. Yeah. So this is actually version two of the screens. So this is version two of the studio. Next year, we'll probably have version, version three of three. the studio. Yeah. And you just get better as you go. Yeah. If you think about cars that you buy, you know, Porsche, they're constantly evolving their models, just slight tweaks, slight tweaks, slight tweaks, slight tweaks, slight tweak. So the whole concept of my book, Start Now, Get Perfect Later, is not letting overwhelm, fear, procrastination, etc., getting in the way of started, because it's better to be started than perfect, because you're never perfect when you start. And you have to get rid of some of these fears of, you know, um, well, fear of not being perfect, fear of being judged, fear of being ridiculed, fear of making mistakes. And by the way, 
I'm not saying put crappy quality products and services out yeah. there, but what you can do is create the fair exchange environment. So if yeah. you put, say, for example, an online resource out there, which you know you're going to add to later on, oh, yeah. and it's going to be a thousand pound later on, we'll charge 500 pound for version one. Charge a thousand pound for version two. Charge fifteen hundred quid for version three. Yeah. So just charge less while it's not quite perfect, perfect. and then mm-hmm. add to it later. Um, because as long as you've got fair exchange, people don't buy based on something that's completed or based on the price of something. They buy based on the value proposition and fair exchange. Cool. Thanks, Rob. My now, pleasure. Um, just to sort of go to another side of one of your books as well, which is uh, Money, yeah? which is quite a very good uh, read as well. It's got a lot of detail and a lot of content around the mindset around money as well, especially the myths that people believe uh, money is, you know, like money is the root of all evil yeah. or money doesn't grow on trees and all that yeah. kind of thing, which, you know, perfectly illustrated in your books uh, that it probably does. So, uh, linking that to capitalism and, uh, uh, you know, free trade and, uh, um, the, the, a lot of people don't get started or they get to blame external factors for not getting started in business, like times are hard or taxes, uh, this, this and that, the economy. So you link that to the get started, you know, and get perfect later. I mean, how, how would you, link the, the opportunities that capitalism offers to the, the, the way that people should change their mindset and thinking around money and getting started in business. Okay. Yeah. So I think uh, the first thing and probably the most important thing, and most yeah. people don't talk about this, is yeah. what I just said about fair exchange. Yeah. So fair exchange is the um, equilibrium and harmonious balance yeah. between value and profit. Yeah. So on the side of the consumer, it is the maximum value I get for my pound or my hundred right. pound or my thousand pounds or whatever. Mm-hmm. In fact, a bargain is when I perceive I get more value than I paid for. Right. And feeling ripped off is when I perceive I get less or nothing compared to what I paid for. Yeah. And a bargain and a ripoff are actually out of fair exchange. Yeah. So the fair exchange is the client, the consumer feels grateful and that they get equal or more value for what they pay mm-hmm. and the producer is grateful because it offers a quality product that they're getting good feedback for and there's a fair and sustainable yeah. profit margin yeah. mm-hmm. that is called fair exchange yeah. and that is the perfect environment under which to leverage yeah. free markets and capitalism yeah. and a lot of people accuse capitalism of uh, being you know, overly powerful, greedy, mm-hmm. selfish. Well, that's just an out of balance of fair exchange. But then too many taxes is out of balance of fair exchange. Yeah. Too much regulation out of balance of fair exchange. Yeah. Not enough regulation out of balance of fair exchange. Yeah. So your job as the entrepreneur is to create the fair exchange environment where the product and service you give is of high value, it's relevant to the clients, it serves their needs, and yeah. the price is fair, fair. Yeah. but also you're allowed to make a profit. It doesn't mean you're greedy or evil or capitalist. It means you're a business owner. You're an in, you're enterprising. And you know, I'll give you an example. If you are Harry, who's mm-hmm. an, he's an artist, but he's yeah. an artist through his cameras and his editing. 
Well, if yeah. you asked uh, Harry, would you like a five-pound, 50-year-old, crappy camera, or would you like a five or a 10 grand 4K Canon or Sony? Of course, he's going to tell you a 10 grand, five grand Canon or Sony. Yeah. The better the equipment he's got, the better art he can create. Yeah. If you're a traditional artist and you use good paint and good materials, you can create better art. If you've got money to travel, to see the world, to get better influences, you can yeah. create better art. If you're a watchmaker, you've got access to better materials. Yeah. You can make better art. And to have the best materials and the best equipment to make great art, you need to fund it with profits. And that yeah. is what capitalism and the free markets allow you to do. Yeah. And then, of course, th there's regulatory forces such as government yeah. and um, competition, which yeah. hopefully in the right balanced free market, because by the way, not all free markets are the same. Yeah. There's yeah. loads of different versions of capitalism. And some areas capitalism works really well and some areas not so much. Yeah. Um, but if there's a decent amount of competition, not too much, not too little, mm. and there's enough governmental step in and regulation, not too much, not too yeah. little, you've probably got a relatively good fair exchange yeah. environment where innovation is encouraged some of the profit needs to be reinvested back into improving your product and service. Otherwise, your competitors will do that. Yeah. And this sort of fair balance situation creates a perfect storm for maximum value to the world and maximum profit to you. And, and, and by the way, mm -hmm. that is elastic. Yeah. So that, that is not, oh, well, it's 20% margin and it's this, this amount of value. It's elastic. Sometimes... Yeah. If there's not enough competition, you can get lazy. Sometimes if there's too yeah. much regulation, you can't make enough profit. It's elastic. Yeah. So pick, picking up on that, actually, I was um, listening to your um, uh, podcast with Mark, the um, original founder of Netflix. Um, mm. around, Mark Randolph. Yes, Mark Randolph. Uh, around basically in, in business, I think you, you, you looked at examples of uh, um, some of the companies which didn't innovate enough or catch up with what was, what was a fast-changing environment. So in, in that particular sense, what, what would be your advice in terms of when you've grafted or perfected your product, for example, how do you get to look at the environment and everything else that is changing? Because you need to keep pace yeah. with what is happening. As well. Otherwise, you get to be left behind. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think it's probably more important than ever to be fast in business. Yeah. So uh, I... Out of all my team, I probably am the fastest thinker and I probably yeah. am the most impatient person. Yeah. And I probably am the most frustrated when things aren't done quickly. Mm. And yeah, that's a personal thing. Yeah. But it's also because I know if I don't get our products and services out quickly, yeah. our competition might go out and grab a share of it. Yeah. Or the, the, the market moves quicker than ever. Yeah. So because of mm. Moore's law, mm. essentially, of I think it's doubling the amount of transistors you can fit um, on a in a chip, I think. But basically speaking, it is that technology doubles its speed or capacity, I believe, every one to two years. Mm -hmm. And there's a massive compounded effect of that. Um, so, you know, 1 plus 1 is 2, 2 plus 2 is 4, 4 plus 4 is 8, 8 plus 8 is 16, 32, 64, 128, 256, 512, you know, 1,024, 2,048. Before you know it, that, yeah. that doubling and that compounding is huge. Yeah. It takes one day for um, a, a lilies that cover half uh, a, a pond to grow and cover the whole pond. Yeah. But um, it might take a thousand days 
for um, one lily to turn into covering the whole pond. Yeah. But it takes one day for it to go from half the pond to the whole pond. So this is the law of compounding and yeah. momentum and velocity. Mm. Uh, and I'm fascinated by these. Yeah. So I think it's important that you are at the very least not slow yeah. um, and that you get your products out quickly. And this is why minimum viable product version yeah. one, um, you know, um, getting rid of this perfection mentality, doing a certain yeah. degree of testing on your users crowdsourcing ideas, leveraging yeah. the speed of light, you know, fiber optics. And um, this is why all of these network effect business models and opportunities yeah. are, are, are important because they help you increase the speed. Yeah. Now, money loves speed and it hates yeah. friction. Mm. Um, and money works best when it flows. And the, the um, origin of the word currency is careri, which was Latin for flow. So money works, it, it performs its function. It, it is alive yeah. when it flows. To flow is what currency means. So money loves to flow and it must love to flow fast and it hates friction. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if you think about e-commerce site, friction is a slow loading page mm. um, or friction is the amount of details that you have to put in. And that's why this Amazon one click thing has been, you know, so powerful. Yeah. This is why Netflix is so good because it's so quick and instant. Yeah. And we strive, we, we, we crave for and strive for this speed. We're very impatient as consumers. Yeah. So as a business, you've got to move fast. You've got to act fast. You've got to think fast. You've got to get to market fast. Yeah. Now that's not to be impatient and that's not to make mistakes, but you just got to be, be fast. fast. But it's easier to be fast. And because it's easier to be fast and everything's moving so fast, things also go out of date so uh, faster. Um, you know, if you think about, um, CDs haven't been around for that long, but really yeah. people don't use CDs yeah. anymore. Um, right. And yeah, you, you, like music outdates itself. You know, the format yeah. of music um, probably mm. more quickly. I mean, yeah. Vinyl, I don't know how vinyl long lasted, probably <laughs> 100 years. When was Harry, yeah. do you know when vinyl <laughs> first was pressed? Late 1800s. 1800s. But tapes, yeah. how long did tapes last? 20 years? Not yeah. even? <laughs> CDs, probably yeah, less. No, Do you remember Minidisc? Yeah. DAC? Ah, uh, yes. No, sorry, yeah. DAT, Digital the, the Audio DAT. Tape. Yeah. DCC? Yeah. So how long did VHS last? Not that long, later disc, less. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Mm. Speed. Business is speed. all about speed. Speed yeah. is a commodity. It's, um, you, it, if you are fast, you have value. Yeah. So from your experience, what, what do you think in business will be the next big thing, for example? <laughs> <laughs> oh man get the crystal ball out um that's hard for me to it's say so hard, yeah. i mean in my book money yeah. i did talk yeah. about um internet things yeah talked about virtual reality artificial yeah. intelligence yeah um you know how um everything at, at some stage is probably going to have some kind of brain or an intuitive nature. I'll give you a mm. stupid example. Mm. But um, one of the favorite things in my life right now is my new electric blanket. So I have oh. a four-story house, <laughs> and for some reason upstairs, yeah. the, the, um, it's really difficult to get the heat all the way up the house. We've yeah. got two big freaking boilers in the basement, <laughs> and the Jews just seem to have issues. So upstairs, it's often quite cold. And yeah. My wife and I live upstairs. The kids live on, on the floor below. Um, and she bought us this new electric blanket, which... Uh, um, it's like a version two. So yeah. version one is 
you heat the blanket. Version two is you've got independent controls left and right. <laughs> so I can have mine on setting two and she can have hers on setting three. <laughs> and then, honestly, you, you look at me like I'm some old it, before it, my it, time. It, it's like the but, car where you've got a, you can set different Yeah, exactly. So you've got climate control side. on each side, yeah. each side of the car. Yeah. Um, but for me, I was thinking, hmm, if I could turn that on from my phone, that would be better. Oh. Uh, so I'm going somewhere with this. Yeah, I'm not just telling you that I'm old man. And then I thought, yeah. actually, if I could pre-time it, to go on at 7.30 every night and turn off at 9.45, that would also mm. be good. Yeah. And then if I could teach it or it could learn how, because when you get in it, it burns you a bit and yeah. then you get used to it. So, in, so to heat the bed, you want it hotter. Yeah. But then when you get in it, you need to cool down slightly. So if it could learn that, then my electric oh. blanket is the shiz of yeah. all electric blankets. Wow. And that's not far away. Your yeah. fridge is going to have a brain. Your watch is going to have a brain. You know, if you yeah. think about iWatches, that they learn yeah. this yeah. artificial yeah. intelligence. So I, I think businesses embracing VR, AI, Internet yeah. of Things, and things becoming more intuitive. Mm. I think that's definitely the well, it's the now and the, the, future, the future of business. Yeah. Um, of course, you know, like the, the, the merging of the machine and the man. The man, So yeah. there's the sub, subcutaneous, so the under-the-skin chips. Yeah. When does it become that we are part machine? It's wow. probably only 50 years away. Yeah. 30 years. I mean, in 20, 30 years, we're probably mm. going to have autonomous cars. Yeah. Where, yeah. When, when does part of our body become a machine? Because it's going to happen. Is an Elon Musk looking at something around... This, this I should think he's concocting <laughs> all sorts of craziness. <laughs> yeah. Good craziness. Yeah, good, yeah. good, good. Okay, so we've covered quite a lot of stuff. Cool. I have yeah. about seven, eight minutes left. Seven, eight so minutes. Now. Okay, so uh, probably this particular place, just to summarize everything else that we've gone through uh, alongside the lines of uh, what it takes for people to be successful in business. I'm thinking... Uh, you know, the 13 principles, for example, by Napoleon Hill about, you know, your desire, the yeah. first, the uh, procrastination and all those kind of things. What, what do you think is one of the key or the, the, the top things along on, on that stretch of the key things that you need to be successful mm. in business? Well, look, I think different businesses need different things that you need to be really good at. Yeah. So the answer is definitely it depends. It depends. Yeah. But of course, we're all looking for those general answers. Yeah. So I'll give you some. Yeah. So I think the first thing is some kind of vision. Yeah. Now that vision could be planned and stated in a document as yeah. to like, you know, Elon Musk apparently wants to inhabit Mars by the end of his lifetime. Mm -hmm. That is a 30-year probably vision, 40-year vision. vision. Mm. Um, so whether it's in your mind's eye that it's yeah. clear or mm -hmm. it's in a plan, mm -hmm. definitely a vision of how you want to make a difference and what your enterprise looks like. That's really important because you don't get in a car and just drive. You put a destination yeah. in the sat-nav. Yeah. The next thing is energy. Now, some people yeah. call it desire. Some people call it passion. Some people call it enthusiasm. Yeah. Some people call it drive. Some people call it motivation. Yeah. And I think all of those are um, required or honorable skills for entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. But I know really successful entrepreneurs that have some of those, but not others. Yeah. But I'm going to call it energy. Yeah. So do you create energy? Give out energy. You know, Are you a ball of energy? Whether it's your relentlessness, your persistence, yeah. your work ethic, your passion, 
your ability to uh, you know motivate and inspire and lead people or your humor or your interpersonal skills yeah. to be able to sell an idea to someone and get them to buy it all of that is a transfer yeah. of energy and so you're like this ball of fire that yeah. goes and sets other things off that mm-hmm. is really important yeah. the next thing is sustainability or durability yeah. or longevity yeah. because whilst i don't believe anymore it takes 10 years to be an overnight success i think it can take less time now leveraging social media it's more easy to go viral I'm not saying yeah. that it happens to everyone but some people do get that overnight success more quickly um, but you've got to have a long-term plan you've got to leverage compounding you've got to be yeah. in the game long enough to get good at it to improve to learn your craft, mm. to have that compo- compounding effect. Yeah. And a lot of people aren't long-term enough in their thinking mm-hmm. or aren't resilient enough in overcoming the challenges. Yeah. I think the next thing is you've got to have a desire or at least um, got to be able to get in the mindset of fixing yeah. things. Yeah. So problems that exist in the world that need fixing are business opportunities. Yeah. Like right now, all the stuff with plastics, that's a business opportunity. Yeah. Um, but mm-hmm. also stuff that's breaking in your office, it's an opportunity to fix it, to solve it. So basically, if you are a, a dealer of challenges and a fixer of problems in a passionate and a caring, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and an energetic way, you're going to continue to grow and to be successful. Because I think a lot of people are looking to get into business to get rid of all their problems. Yeah. But often when you get in business, you just get different problems, new problems or bigger problems. So thank you very much, My Rob. Pleasure. I think that's uh, quite a lot of uh, content. No worries. Thanks, everyone. Are we still live? Yeah. Are we still live? Yeah. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. All right. Thank you very much, guys. This is uh, Rob Moore. Thank you. Thank you. Do you want to shout out the name of your podcast one more time? Yes, it's uh, the Business Wealth uh, Mindset Podcast. Um, So uh, it's basically topical issues with uh, experienced uh, business entrepreneurs like Rob, who uh, hosts his own uh, uh, top UK business podcast, The Disruptive Entrepreneur. Thank you. And uh, author of... uh, uh, Nine books so far and counting. Fourteen. Fourteen books, yeah. 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 And uh, world records in uh, public speaking, yeah. which, uh, as, as you've heard, has got quite a, a few things to say about yeah. a lot of yeah. things, <laughs> a lot of topics. So thank you very much, Rob. Thanks a lot. All right. Cheers. Cheers.